Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up, worship leaders? My name is Dalton Schaefer. Welcome back to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. Today, I'm on with a couple of my really good friends from Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Clayton and Joel. What's up, guys? What's up, yeah, you don't know. No one ever knows who like who to talk first when you're on a recording like this. So I always, I just throw out the what's up and just see what happens. But uh, Clayton, why don't you start and just share a little bit about your role at Fellowship? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Uh, love what you're doing. Love how you're encouraging, equipping worship leaders, whether they've been in it a long time or just getting started. Uh, yeah. So like Dalton said, I'm at Fellowship Bible Church and. Little Rock, Arkansas, I serve as our pastor of worship. So uh, Joel is one, also one of our worship pastors, but I oversee our team. So anybody that's in worship or tech uh, in the arts in that kind of world, I oversee that. Just been in this role for uh, just over a year, but I've been at this church around eight years. So, yeah. Awesome. And Joel, uh, share a little bit about you know how you serve at the church as well. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm one of the campus worship pastors uh, at our Benton uh, location, and I've been here for uh, coming up on five years, uh, but I've been leading worship full-time for 15-plus years, Um, so love what I get to do, man. Man, someone someone's looking at you right now, going, "When when did this guy start leading worship? If he's been doing it for 15 years." Guys, no one knows how. Let, let us know in the comments how old you think Joel is, just by looking at him. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, you don't. You're older than me, and you don't look as tired as I do. So I don't know what it is, but man, that's awesome. Well, guys, uh, man, thanks so much for being here today. We want to talk. Uh, you guys just had the chance to release uh, your second album with Fellowship Music. Uh, a lot of the people who are following this probably have already listened to it because I've posted about it. Uh, it's already on the Spirit Truth Worship playlist if you follow that. Uh, and it's just some great songs, some uh, hymns. So it's a hymn album full of uh, seven covers of historic hymns that the church has been singing for a long time. Uh, but also one original modern hymn that that Joel wrote, which is just killer. It's called All the Honor. Go check it out. We'll even put a link to it in the description to the whole album to go listen to those songs. But we just want to talk a little bit about why it's important to sing hymns hymns or maybe why you guys even wanted to do a hymns project because i think there's probably if we're honest there's people watching this or listening to it on the podcast right now who are at a church where maybe they're kind of been asked to move the church from a more traditional setting into a more contemporary setting or they're looking to bring in more historical rootedness to the songs that they're singing maybe they're already in a really contemporary setting and and what you guys did with this album i think really helped bridges a gap between songs some of these songs are several hundred years old and yet you're singing them in a way that it sounds like super fresh and modern for the church to sing today. And so I'd love to just hear, uh, Clayton, maybe starting with you, what was some of the reason that you guys wanted to do a hymns album specifically? Yeah. Yeah. I think just, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, it's crazy to even say that maybe a year and a half ago, uh, you had, uh, all the racial tension stuff going on in the U S and then you had the pandemic uh, going on and uh, all that stuff is still true today but um, 
what I noticed a trend was on social media and friends that I know, uh, even a lot of younger folks were posting on um, Facebook and Instagram. They were posting old hymns. And I think uh, what was really cool to see is that in a season of just like chaos, when the world feels unstable, uh, maybe when the world feels uh, like truth is out the door, people were clinging to songs of old. And I think it's a mixture of familiarity. Like we love, like even now as I get older, when I turn on the radio, I prefer to listen to songs that I know and uh, have heard. And and uh, and I think the same thing happens in the church. People prefer music and songs and uh, hymns that they grew up on. And so for me, there became this burden of, man, I, I love singing hymns. I grew up singing hymns. Um, but like we see oftentimes in the church, uh, in modern context, man, we're singing these very modern expression of songs, and then you get to the hymn, and it feels like a complete left turn. And and so uh, I think there was something in me that goes, man, I want to be able to sing these truths. I want to be able to, uh, songs that have been, like you said, a couple hundred years old, been sung from generation to generation. But we needed some kind of we wanted it to feel like us, you know, musically. We didn't want it to feel like a left turn um, in the worship set. And so uh, for me, it was just going, man, could we create a project that is the best of, best of both worlds? Yeah, man, that's super good. Joel, do you have anything to add just in terms of, you know, why why hymns? You know, I, I know you and I have talked about hymns a lot in the past and even in some of the ways we write today. But what are some of the reasons you guys feel like it really – uh, is a benefit to the church to sing some of these songs. Yeah, man. Uh, Clayton touched on it a little bit, but um, there's something there's something unique about singing singing something that's really familiar to you that you've heard, um, you know, throughout your childhood, or maybe even if you didn't grow up in the church, um, maybe you attended a church that sung hymns on a regular basis, and it's not just about singing the familiar. Uh, because we can, we know that we can just kind of start to sing songs and they can become rote and they can become routine and we can lose the meaning. But it's also about singing deep truths. And um, a lot of the hymns that we sing have these deep rooted scriptural truths that kind of bring us back and remind us about the Lord's goodness to us in the gospel. And, um, but just like not all. Uh, choruses or modern songs um, lack depth or scriptural contact context. We know that's not true, um, but there are you know certain hymns that aren't necessarily theologically accurate or yeah. aren't necessarily fully scripturally based. But for the most part, we can look at hymns and go, "Man, these are deep truths that we need to lean into as churches." Um, and that we can lean into in times that are unfamiliar. Man, that's good. So you're saying that if I pick up a hymnal, I can't just like totally disregard like being theologically discerning when it comes to picking songs. Like I still have to be a worship pastor when I pick it up. <laughs> oh, man. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I actually know some people and if this is your church, that's okay. Thanks for listening. We're so glad you're here. But uh, I've seen guys where uh, they like have someone just call out a number. They open to that hymn, and the f- the five songs in a row is the worship set. 
have y'all ever seen that? I have seen that in yeah. a like a guy who did that like weekly, and that was just like yeah. the way he led. I'm like that, wow, uh, that's church. Church I grew up in that was called Fifth Sunday Singing. You know, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's go. It was any any month that had a a fifth Sunday or something. They would they would do a fifth Sunday singing, and you could just call up what number you wanted to sing out of the hymnal, and you know, nice. And they just can we do a it. modern? Can we do a modern version of that, guys? It's just like fifth Sunday. You're like, what do y'all guys want to sing? And someone's just like, and they just like shout out any song, in not just yeah. in the hymnal, any song in the CCLI library. Yeah. There's only twenty thousand songs. Yeah, all yeah. requests live. I went to I, uh, I went I went to Tomlin Tomlin recently. It was Tomlin Bethel Cody Carnes and Carrie Job, and it was great. Uh, but when Tomlin got up, people started requesting stuff when he was up there. And uh, he said, I'm sorry, I've got 20 years to, to work through here. Uh, give, me, give me a second before we get to that one. That's funny. I love <laughs> but it. But he could basically do that with all his songs, you know? Yeah, I believe it, which is most of most of the CCLI library. Either he wrote it yep. or he covered it. Yep. And so, uh, well, that's great. Well, I think, yeah, when I think of hymns, a, f- a few of the other things that come to mind is just there's a real historical rootedness, not just the theological rootedness, but there's something about taking a song that you can stand in front of your people and say, hey, maybe today is the first time you've ever heard this song and you're brand new to the faith. But as we sing these words for hundreds of years, other people have been singing these same words with the same faith and the same God, with the same hope and the same gospel. And there's just something about that that I think can root us in a in a tradition and maybe in a world where tradition sometimes seems like a bad thing and we, we don't really like tradition, we'll put it away. I think it actually provides us a foundation that we can walk on where it's like, hey, we didn't make this up. This didn't start with us and it's not going to end with us. It's been around for a long time. And so I think that's just another um, another benefit. And just the poetry. Guys, we can all agree. They just wrote them different back then. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. It was actually, for a lot of these hymns were written by pastors. And I think for a, a long season, uh, it was like a regular theological practice to write poetry as you were sermon prepping. And I think we just got some really cool songs that came out of a season where guys were writing lyrics uh, in meter, but not necessarily writing the music. A lot of times the music was written by someone else. And so I think that just, yeah, it just created a really unique kind of poetry. They use different lyrical devices. And so I think we have a lot to learn as modern songwriters from just picking up old hymnals and reading them. Uh, I think that could be just a really good practice. And so, um, well, guys, we'll, we'll kind of move on. I'd, I'd love to ask, what are some of the challenges you personally have faced in trying to maybe use hymns in, in the context in which you serve? Yeah, I mean, I think I spoke to this just a minute ago a little bit, just about how, um, well, for one, being in a context uh, in a non-denominational church, not assuming that people, when they walk in the door, they actually know the hymns. And so some of some of it is is we may think, ooh, I'm going to do this hymn this Sunday, and it's going to be a huge moment for our church. And three-fourths of the congregation may not even know it. It's a, it's a brand-new song to them. And so I think we have to lead out knowing and, and kind of like you're saying, grounding it to the history of it and uh, speak to it when we lead it. I mean, I led uh, Come Thou Fountain a couple weeks ago with Joel at the Benton campus, and uh, he just asked me, hey, would you— set that song up that day because 
songs like or lyrics like Ebenezer and Fetter and different words like that are not written. <laughs> it, it's just not in the modern you know language as much, and so. Um, some of the difficulties are we're, we're using an older language that is not as familiar. And so somebody who hadn't grown up in the church, they're going these and thous and fetters and Ebenezer's and uh, whatever it is. I think that it, it almost can uh, turn people away from it. Maybe not turn people away, but make them feel like an outsider. And so I think we want to do our part as worship pastors and go, I want to make sure. I don't want to assume that everybody knows this. And then, two, I want to make sure I teach lyrics that maybe aren't familiar to, to some people. And then the other thing is just what I said earlier. When you're doing a set, and um, I'm trying to think of a song uh, that we lead that would we would go into one of these hymns, but uh, I don't know. I can't even think of songs that we lead right now as worship pastor. But, um, but I, I'm just imagining, you know, great things. Uh, Wickham. Um, so coming out of that, I mean, going from such a modern sound and feel uh, and simple lyric for the most part to a hymn. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big swing. And so I think just sometimes the music delays us from really wanting to lead some of those songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some of the other songs, as you were just saying, like Come Thou Founts, one that I think of, Be Thou My Vision is one we've recently led here, uh, that I just asked my worship team, I said, hey, can anybody just raise your hand and tell me exactly what it means, not be all else to me, save that thou art? Anybody just want to take a stab and say that in modern English? And it was honest, they, they took some good guesses, and I think one person like really like hit a home run on like, but it means like, would everything else become nothing to me? that Christ would be my everything. But like, Mm -hmm. that's not what I think of when I hear not be all else to me, save that. It's like, I hear, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what on earth does that even mean? Or a mighty fortress, like bulwark. Like when was the last time you used that word outside of singing that song? It's like, (laughs) I think it can be really helpful in those moments to like teach our people so that when that moment comes, at least they know what they're singing. And then maybe it would like, help the the lyric penetrate the heart just on that deeper level. And then maybe even if we use hymns like more often and continue to do that, it like penetrates heart all the way where it's like, man, now when I sing here, I raise my Ebenezer. Every time I say that word, I think of a stone or a rock of remembrance. And then I think of like Christ as our rock of remembrance and the cross and the gospel. But it took a while. Like the first dozen times I sang that song, it wasn't doing much in my heart. It was just like, Ebenezer, what on earth is that word? And so, man, that's super helpful. Uh, Joel, do you have any other thoughts on just maybe some of the challenges that you face in in bringing hymns into the set? Yeah, I mean, everything y'all saying, y'all were saying was um, was so good. Um, I love kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, Dalton. How when these hymns were written, a lot of them were written as poems, and if you think about like. Uh, in college, there's entire courses on poems and kind of breaking them apart and figuring out what does this mean? Well, what is what was he meaning in relation to this part? Um, and I think it's okay. I think there's we can have permission in the service to take some time and break apart a little piece of a hymn, break apart what is this? What does this word mean uh, in a deep way so that they can understand it fully and then once they understand it fully, it becomes so much easier to sing from their heart 
and agree with it, agree with what they're singing. Um, and then musically, I think what Clayton was saying can be a challenge sometimes is that a lot of these hymns musically are just difficult to pull off in a, in a full band, um, in a full band context. And so, um, that's where we felt it was, um, going to be really helpful and important for us in making this album to take these, um, ancient truths, to take these, um, these kind of words of theology that are poetry and making, make them super accessible and easy to pull off as a full band on a Sunday morning. Yeah, man. I, I think you said something that just reminded me, like, I think in a way these hymns reveal the role of the worship leader as not just a musician, but a teacher. And it really gives us that opportunity to kind of step into what I believe is one of the roles of a word. I always say like a worship leader is a teaching pastor and a teaching pastor is a worship leader. Like when you teach the word of God, you lead people to worship. And when you're shepherding people through songs, you're teaching them not just how to worship, but you're teaching them theology. And so, yeah, in, in a way it's like hymns kind of subtly reveal maybe what's most true about us, which is that we really need to know the Bible and how to shepherd people in that. And then I think, yeah, as we just think musically, I think there's kind of two challenges I see with hymns. One is that uh, it's got a great lyric, or I guess three challenges. One is a great lyric and melody, but maybe the musical accompaniment needs updated. There's another side where I think maybe the lyric is hard to understand. We talked about that a little bit. So it's like, it's a great lyric, but it's like actually like hard to contextualize. And a lot of these like reformers who are writing hymns, you think of Martin Luther um, and like these guys, they would not have wanted you to sing their songs today. Like I actually think sometimes that like a mighty fortress is our God. Like I actually don't know that he wanted us to, he, he probably would have said like, you need to update that. The whole reason he wrote that was to like, and Isaac Watts, same thing. It's like, no, like the stuff we're singing is so disconnected that we don't even understand what we're saying. So let's write new songs. And then we hold on to them really tight sometimes. It's like, no, we're going to keep singing those. And like, if he was here today, he'd be like, please stop singing that song or update the lyrics. So everybody knows exactly what you mean when you say, when you say those words. But yeah, so I think that's another challenge. And then the last one is like, a great lyric, but actually the melody is maybe like so weird or, or hard to contextualize that it's actually worth rewriting a melody to keep these like historic hymns. And I, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. It's like right on the tip of my tongue. What's that? Uh, the Shane Shane read it with before the uh, throne, before the throne. I got above. So that yeah. that's a song, a great example of a, of a hymn that's really old that we sing today. That's got a really sweet melody but most people probably couldn't tell you the original melody of that hymn because it's not the one that we all know. Like that was updated years ago. I don't, I don't even know who updated it. It wasn't changed. It was, it was quite a while back, but the original melody of that hymn is I've only heard one person sing it once. And they were kind of talking about the importance of rewriting some of these older texts. Um, and, and he sang the original melody. I was like, dude, that is like one of the worst melodies I've ever heard. I'm so glad that no one <laughs> sings that. Uh, and so I think there is a place too for updating lyrics, updating melodies, uh, but maybe most often just trying to update the musical accompaniment, which is mostly, if I'm if I'm right, uh, six of these songs, you guys sang the same melody, no change. The, the one is uh, All That Thrills My Soul. What, what's that one? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah, all that thrills my soul. Yeah, all that thrills. We, 
I couldn't even tell you what the original melody is. That was a couple of yeah. friends of mine a couple of years ago. We took that and somebody had suggested and said, hey, the lyrics of this song is awesome. Y'all should do something with it. And so we, re- we re- rewrote the melody to that. And yeah. uh, we kind of challenged ourselves. We said, don't go listen to the original because we didn't want to get kind of trapped to it. Um, so yeah, that that the lyrics are the same for that song, but that's the only one that we really changed the actual melody yeah. to. And uh, yeah, I love now, that. Now I love it. I love that song. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I just love the mix of like six songs that you didn't change the melody to. It's just kind of updated the music. One song with a rewritten melody, which is awesome, and then one modern hymn. And Joe, I'd like to pass it off to you just to talk a little bit about. You know what's the value of kind of writing modern hymns for the church today? Because you, you, not everything you write sounds like a hymn, but this one really does. Kind of, actually, someone asked me about it and asked if you guys rewrote the melody and and where you got the original lyrics from. And I was like, oh, they wrote the original lyrics. High compliment. <laughs> they're like, there. dude, compliment. it was. I mean, they literally were like, dude, I've never heard this hymn, but this is incredible. It's my like some guys here at Candeo, like that's my favorite song of the album. Like, where did that come from? And so just tell me a little bit about maybe the process of writing and even the value in writing in that style, or maybe some of the challenges you felt as you, as you wrote that. Yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a mix of things. Um, you know, when I was, when I was writing that song, um, it just started flowing that way without me even thinking about, um, I'm writing a modern hymn right now. Um, but growing up in the church, I think some of those uh, ways of saying things and some of that uh, meter and poetry has just been kind of ingrained in me a little bit. And um, so, you know, I didn't, I didn't set out to write a modern hymn, but, you know, there's something about the, the consistency of a melody when you sing it three or four times, like in our, in the song that I wrote has four verses and some people might be like, Oh my gosh, four verses. How how are people going to hang in for that long? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, there's something cool about singing different lyrics to a consistent melody all the way throughout the song that kind of builds it, builds a story throughout the song. And um, that's what I really wanted that song to be is to, to be kind of a kind of a journey of the gospel story um, in a song, and then our response to that, so that the chorus is just kind of a response out of what the gospel does for us. Yeah, um, man, so. dude, that's so good, man. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And so, as y'all think about updating music, so maybe someone's watching this or listening, and they want to take a hymn, they love love maybe a particular hymn, maybe they just want to lead a version off the album, and you know they can go do that. Uh, that you guys wrote, but it, what were maybe like one or two of the things you were really thinking about when you were trying to update some of these hymns to, to your context? Was it, um, I know obviously it was a lot of musical things, but what were the actual specific things you were trying to do or even like quarterly, you know, what, what was, what was going on as you did that? Yeah, I'd say one of the things, I mean, we, before we set out a couple of things we wrote down that are wins for us, one, uh, we were thinking, hey, how do we keep the melody uh, the same? Because we didn't want to, um, you know, say, hey, we're releasing this hymns album, and then our church gets it, and they don't recognize the song at all, yeah. you know? <clears throat> and so for the most part, we wanted to be able to play 
<clears throat> and sing the song to where it feels familiar, um, but still fresh. So I think that's a, a balance that we were trying to do there. And then, um, you know, I think I think some of the <clears throat> the way that it was written a couple of hundred years ago, and maybe just the difference in that in modern context is the. Uh, we, we tried to simplify the courting, the structure, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And so for us, it was, uh, and we're, we're taking notes from all the guys who are way better than us at that. <laughs> so Tomlin was one of the first ones that did that, right? That took really hard stuff and made it really simple. And I think we were trying to create it in such a way that, man, if you're just learning guitar or just learning keys, you know, we, we took out some cer- certain chording stuff that is to the traditional melody, but we didn't actually play it um, to make it more simplified for anybody to be able to play it in their church. And so that's one of the areas we were thinking about, too. Joel, you got some more thoughts on that? I mean, not a ton. Accessibility was a big thing for us. We wanted, you know, pretty much anybody to be able to um, play the versions that we lead um and then uh familiarity was a huge thing like you were saying um we we felt like if we if we reworked the hymns so much to where they weren't even recognizable it would be a loss for our congregation because uh, they wouldn't be able to immediately grab a hold of them and um and so i mean just basically the things that that clayton was saying were super important to us yeah, so we did. Would say we even, did, we oh. did put a breath in praise to the Lord, the Almighty, that is not in the original. Uh, but to make the music work, we had to, we had to put it in yeah. there. Yeah. But That's anyways, now I was gonna say y'all would even say maybe in a way it's like you were willing to sacrifice a little on creativity to increase accessibility because at the end of the day, this this. Uh, hymns album it was an opportunity for you to serve your church which i think is as worship leaders something it's it's easy to to think uh, a lot about the music uh, but to forget that at the end of the day like we're serving a congregation we're serving christ we're serving uh this this idea of i mean we want the word of christ to dwell richly in our people as we sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs and we want to be filled with the spirit as we sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs and one of the way god does that is through these like rich lyrics and so to make it as accessible as possible i i think that's awesome i think that brings up maybe just one last thought i had which is uh as we talk about hymns i think it's really easy uh we have verses like that colossians 3 16 ephesians 5 18 through 21 that both say psalms hymns and spiritual songs and i think sometimes we actually start thinking it's like okay i know the psalms are the psalms and then we just immediately identify hymns as like these songs that were written a few hundred years ago that are in the hymnal which some of the songs in our hymnals are even newer than that they're really only been written in the last like 15 20 years um but that's not what the bible verses say and so as we have church uh people who maybe don't like that we change the melody that's not the hymn like we're supposed to sing hymns or you know i think sometimes we make these things an idol but i think at the end of the day it's like we don't want hymns to be an idol we don't want contemporary songs to be an idol they're all just tools that we can use to better serve our people and i do think hymns provide us a unique tool just because of the rootedness and even just the testing like these lyrics have been tested for hundreds of years now and proved to be faithful over time and some of these melodies still like come thou fount 
still stirs the hearts of God's people. It's not just deep lyrics that like that makes my heart like want to respond to the Lord in passionate praise. And so there's just some of these melodies that are just so good. But there's a and I don't know about you guys, but my old Baptist hymnal. There's actually two versions that come now found. Same lyrics, different melody, and only one of them is good. <laughs> Sorry, other <laughs> version I come now found. You're not, but yeah. You know, so even in that, it's like we don't want to be so locked into the original melody that it's almost like we start to think that the melody was inspired, <laughs> you know, like just like yeah. the scriptures. And so, well, guys, um, any last thoughts just on on singing or, or anything that you would say? Maybe there's a young worship leader watching this who maybe hasn't thought much about hymns, but is is maybe trying to get into using some hymns that you'd leave them with just one last word. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, one, uh, you know, serve your congregation. I mean, you got to think there's people in your congregation, no matter if you're a new church or old church, like there's people older than you and there's people that, um, you're trying to, yes, the new songs are great. And yes, we need to write new songs and yes, we need to create new albums and do all the new stuff that's coming out. Uh, all that can be really good. Um, uh, but a couple of things I'd say is serve your church. You know, I mean, we, we did this album, uh, honestly, we didn't have every church in the world in mind when we did this. I mean, we're, we started small and local. We, we want this to be a resource for our people. And, uh, <clears throat> and then the next thing I would say is, you know, uh, create your own hymn book at your church. And so that means, uh, take old hymns and songs that are hymns to you that are modern or those kind of things and create your own hymn list and and uh, uh, really, really um, not only teach your people hymns, but sing them enough that they become familiar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sing them enough word. that they become worshipful and not, not every Sunday is I'm learning a brand new thing. Um, maybe I really need to hear the song that I heard the last couple of weeks because it's the truth that the church needs right now. And, uh, and so that's what I would say. And then, and then last thing I would just say that, uh, yeah, just serve your church, man. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, our church is a Bible church and we want to be a church that's not only preaching the Bible, but singing the Bible. And like we've already said, hymns, uh, don't always do that. But a lot of yeah. times they do, yeah. And uh, and we want to not only preach the gospel, we want to sing the gospel. And so, I, I, just like Joel's song that he wrote, I mean, you get the gospel narrative, like you get the narrative of the gospel laid out in a song. And we want people remembering that, singing that over and over and over again uh, to remember all that Jesus has done for us. So, yeah, that's good. Joel, any last words? Yeah, I was just thinking about something that you were talking about earlier with hymns and um, there's something special uh, when you think about being able to sing something that generations before you have sung. Um, I mean, you look at the Psalms and there's so many uh, just worship filled Psalms that, um, that the people of Israel would just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and they would be a regular part of their um, rhythm uh, in reciting the truths of God and, and rehearsing among themselves. This is from, from this generation to the next. Uh, the Lord is good. His love endures forever. 
And it's the same thing with some of these hymns that have just stood the test of time. Um, to be able to sing something that people were singing 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and it's the same truth, it's the same story, it's the same gospel, and we're just all joining our voices together um, to, to the same God who's, who's ever faithful. And um, that's one thing that I just love about the history of hymns and being able to sing in them, sing them in our modern day. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think everybody, you know, in the modern movement, you know, says I want to live like Jesus, be like Jesus, become like Jesus, you know, all those things. Well, man, at the Last Supper, you know, what happens? Jesus and the disciples, after they've eaten and spent time together, they break off and sing a hymn. And so, man, if Jesus did it, <laughs> Amen. that's. Maybe not the best analogy, but you know what I'm saying. No, uh, no, no, totally, man. Like, yeah, we want to fill our lives, not just our Sundays, with singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that stir our hearts to the Lord. And mm-hmm. so uh, our God's a singing God, right? It says in Zephaniah that he sings over us. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be a people who sing. Uh, and in particular, we want to sing rooted truths. And so, man, that's so good. Um Guys, thank you both. It was so good to catch up today. Uh, Two of my favorite worship leaders and friends, super thankful, not just for the songs you guys write, but the way that you lead your church, lead y'all's team. Uh, You guys really, I mean, Spirit and Truth started while I was still hanging out with you guys, and so y'all are a big part of uh, even the way I think about these things. So thankful for both of you guys. Uh, And then if you're watching this right now, thank you so much for checking this out. You can like and subscribe on the YouTube channel or in your favorite podcast player. You can rate this podcast. That'd be a huge help. And as always, we want to continue to lead our churches and lead our teams just like these guys do in biblically formed worship in spirit and truth. So we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.